<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Dr. Will Cole. This podcast is the manifesto for a new breed of health seekers. This is the art of being well. What's up, everyone? It's Dr. Will Cole, and welcome to the art of being well. I am a leading functional medicine expert. I consult people around the world via webcam. I started one of the first functional medicine telehealth centers in the world over a decade ago, and I'm a New York Times bestselling author. I wrote Intuitive Fasting, which is my newest book, and Ketotarian, and The Inflammation Spectrum. If you want to learn more about my clinical work, the telehealth center, the books, and there's tons of free content there as well, you can check it all out at drwillcole.com. That's D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E.com. All right, let's get to today's guest. She is good friend of mine and a brilliant, bright human being. Her name is Alexis Haynes. She was once a reality star, a heroin addict, and member of the Bling Ring, a group of Hollywood burglars whose exploits became the basis of a Sofia Coppola movie and for which she served time. Today, she is a mother, a wife, writer, and birth doula. She and her husband actually run the Addiction Treatment Center, Aloe House Recovery Centers, where she inspires people to tap into their inner knowingness to find empowerment and connection with themselves and others. In this very fascinating episode, we discuss autoimmune conditions, inflammation, labs, recovery from trauma and how it impacts our health. We talk about addiction, health problems, and what to do about it, and so much more. And after my conversation with Alexis, stay tuned because I answer another one of your burning health questions and another Ask Me Anything. All right, let's get to my conversation with Alexis Haynes. Alexis, thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. So I want to start at the beginning of where your journey began and how you got into the work that you are in right now. And you're doing such important work and you're doing it in such a, a fresh way in a way that I think a lot of people know instinctively and intuitively they need, um, but you're bringing it to life. So can you tell me about yourself and how you got into the work you're doing now? Yeah. So I grew up in Los Angeles, just right outside of LA in the suburbs. And my life at home was really chaotic. My dad worked in the film industry. My mom was a retired model. And um, unfortunately, there was just like a ton of abuse in my household. My dad was an alcoholic who was very manic and oftentimes was violent. And my mom did not have any of the necessary tools to know how to deal with any of that. Mm. She also used substances. She doesn't classify herself as an addict or an alcoholic or a person in recovery, but she definitely used substances to cope. And there was incest in my household. I began being sexually abused at the age of four. So very just extremely traumatic upbringing mm-hmm. and lots of generational trauma and just chaos growing up. And so for me at a really young age, 
I turned to substances as a means to cope. So I began using drugs when I was in middle school. And by the time I was 19, I was a full-blown heroin addict. And I was using drugs intravenously along with benzos, smoking weed every day, plus alcohol, coke when I could get my hands on it. I was like a dumpster for drugs. So talk about like abusing your body. I also couldn't like keep food down. So I would go to the gas station to get a hot dog because that's all I could afford at the time when I finally got sober. And then I would shoot heroin. It would make me violently ill. And then I would throw up all of my food. So, um, you know, by the time I was 19 my body had been through a lot and my mind had been through a lot. My, my whole worldview was just so distorted as a result of the amount of trauma that I went through. And so I ended up going to jail twice. And after the second time that I went to jail, I had pretty much a spiritual awakening. I had a very clear message that was given to me that like, you're so much better than this. You're going to help so many people and you need to get off these drugs. And so I went into treatment and it was the best thing that ever happened to me. I went to a standard 12 step treatment center right down the street from actually where I grew up. And I was court ordered there for a year And what happened in that year was I began to finally unpack some of that trauma. I went to school to become a drug and alcohol counselor, and I stuck really close to the 12 steps. What I found at the end of that year was that the way we were doing treatment was all wrong. So it's interesting because I went in and I was a success story, right? I was like, treatment works. Here I am a year later, 19, now 20, getting out of this. I'm a drug and alcohol counselor. I'm like the epitome of success. And at the time I was dating my now husband of um, almost nine years. And (laughs) we were both kind of like, there's something wrong here. We don't know exactly what it is, but we should be doing this differently. What's interesting is my husband, Evan, he's, he's from Vancouver and up in Vancouver, they used to have uh, North America's worst opiate epidemic. And the way that they treated that in the beginning was very much so like how we treat it here in the U.S. This is a behavioral problem. We need behavioral modification treatment centers to change this behavior. So in the U.S., that would be the Betty Ford's, you know, the promises very much. So the 12 steps, like this is learned behavior and we need to change the behavior and then everything will get better. Mm. What we saw in the U S is this revolving door of people going in and out, in and out, in and out of treatment. Mm. So people would be in treatment eight, nine times over a decade before they'd finally get sober. And treatment center success rates were really around like, and still are, unfortunately, around like 12 to sometimes up to 20% successful. So you're going, okay, so people are spending all of this money right. and all of this time, and it's not working. So we were like, there's something up here. But my husband grew up in a time where there was this big shift happening in Vancouver And they were beginning to open safe injection sites and housing. And really what they were doing was they were treating people with compassion. They didn't make drugs illegal, but they stopped throwing drug addicts in jail for Mm. using heroin. And they started opening these safe injection sites where people could go and talk to a nurse and say, I think I finally need help can you help me? And then they opened a detox on top of the safe injection site. And then they opened housing for the homeless. This didn't make all of the problems go away, but it did start to show some success. And so what my husband and his business partner, Jared, did was they opened a sober living house. So that's not a licensed residential treatment center, 
but they opened this sober living house and we, we all got sober in Malibu, the Mecca of, of rehabs. Right. <laughs> and right. So we'd see all these people that were in that revolving door mm-hmm. and the amount of shame that they felt when they came back right. was really noticeable. And so we just started uh, this, this amazing sober living where people could just come hang out judgment free zone. And we had this big barbecue every Friday and we had a meeting that was very lax. You know, there was no judgment if you're on antidepressants or if you were smoking pot and you just couldn't figure it out or whatever it might be. And what we saw was success. We started to see people getting and staying sober. Mm. So we thought, okay, what's working here? It's the compassion. It's the Mm -hmm. community. You know, it's dropping all of the ego and the judgment. Mm -hmm. We opened Aloe House and that we became a full spectrum treatment center. So we do partial hospitalization, inpatient, detox, sober living, the whole nine. Mm -hmm. Our motto is compassion, not control. And what we've seen over the last decade of us being open is that our success rate hovers around 50%. And I mean, that's like a drastic increase by simply switching out of the behavioral modification model of care Mm -hmm. into a more holistic, integrative, compassionate approach to treatment. Mm -hmm. Wow. That is beautiful. I didn't realize all of that. And can we go back to that spiritual awakening that you had? Do do you feel in hindsight, do you feel like it was God or higher power? How do you identify that? And what, what did that look like for you in hindsight? What do you think it was? So I'm um, very spiritual, completely Mm (laughs) non-religious and I believe in higher consciousness. I believe Mm -hmm. that, yes, we're here on a physical plane, very much so real. The conversation Mm -hmm. we're having is, you know, (laughs) I can feel it. I, you know, Mm -hmm. I know that this reality exists. And then I also believe that we have a connection to source. Mm -hmm. And over the last decade of my recovery have, you know, I think that that connection is what has kept me sober. Mm -hmm. And so Um, I don't call it God, but I call it, you know, pure loving consciousness. It Mm -hmm. was my higher self talking to me and just Mm -hmm. saying, you can't keep going on like this. You're meant to do more. And this is just not serving you any longer. And that's not easy. Like when you, you know, I really believe now hindsight, because I've really broken that cycle of generational trauma. I've, as a result of my recovery, my, one of my sisters got sober. My other sister um, started doing her own healing. She's what we call a normie, but (laughs) normal. And my mom ended up healing and my dad did too. And so I do believe that spiritually, I came into this family at this time not just to heal myself, but to heal our family unit and any ancestral trauma too. I believe mm-hmm. that that is very real. Yeah. And it's not an easy thing to do, but I took the message really clearly and I ran with it. Yeah. And what a gift too, that I get to raise children in an environment where they've never really experienced trauma or mm-hmm. anything like that. It's just, it's such a gift and a privilege. The traditional guidance with fertility has been just wait and see, but now we have tools to help us plan for and track everything in our lives, wellness, finances, careers, school. Why the heck is fertility still wait and see? That's why Modern Fertility was created. It's the easy and affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick. Mail it in with a prepaid label and you'll get your personalized test within 10 days. 
Traditional testing with your doctor can cost over $1,000, but Modern Fertility only costs $159 to help get the same information. And if you go to modernfertility.com slash Will Cole, you can get $20 off your first test. Also, if you have an HSA or FSA, you can use those dollars on Modern Fertility. You'll get insight into how many eggs you have, your hormone levels, and other really important fertility factors. The results go deep into what every hormone means, and you can also talk one-on-one with a fertility nurse to review your results and options for next steps. If you want kids today or maybe one day in the future, you need information to make the decision that's best for you. Right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com slash Will That means your test will cost $139 instead of the hundreds or thousands it could cost you at a doctor's office. Get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash Will modernfertility.com slash Will We deserve to know what we're putting in our bodies and why, especially when it comes to something we take every day. Ritual's clean, vegan-friendly multivitamin is formulated with high-quality nutrients in bioavailable forms your body can actually use. What you won't find is sugars, GMOs, major allergens, synthetic fillers, and artificial colorants. Plus, the fresh taste and delayed-release capsule design makes taking your vitamins super simple. I really have been loving taking the Ritual. I love that it's convenient. They ship it out to you just when you need it. So you're never running out of it. I really love the high quality ingredients in my Ritual multivitamin. Let me break it down for you. Ritual is a multivitamin that's reimagined. A multivitamin should contain key nutrients and forms your body can actually use to help fill the gaps in your diet. No shady extras. Ritual's delayed release capsule design delivers high quality nutrients, including vitamin D3, in just two daily pills. Ritual is made traceable, which I really love. You always know what nutrients you're taking and where they come from thanks to Ritual's one-of-a-kind visible supply chain. And Ritual is also designed with your life stage in mind. They now have available options for women, men, teens. Ritual multivitamins are scientifically developed to help support different life stages and they make healthy habits super easy. Your multivitamins are delivered to your door every month with free shipping always. You can start, snooze, or cancel your subscription anytime. And if you don't love Ritual within your first month, they'll refund your first order. Get key nutrients without the BS. Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off during your first three months. Visit ritual.com slash Will Cole to start your ritual today. Hi, I'm Kara Natterson. And I'm Vanessa Kroll Bennett. We're the co-hosts of the Puberty Podcast. Each week, we dive into the what and how of raising kids through puberty, that roller coaster of physical and emotional shifts for kids and parents alike. Combining reliable science and relatable parenting strategies, we will all learn about, laugh about, and yes, maybe even cry about adolescence, ours and theirs. I see on an hourly basis almost clinically with patients is the impact that trauma has on physical health issues with triggering autoimmune problems. And people don't realize, you mentioned that phrase, ancestral trauma, the fact that this is coded in our DNA. If you, if you, if you think about it, like by the time a baby girl in the mom's womb is 20 weeks old or something around there, that she has eggs. I mean, she so part of us as far as chromosomes and DNA, it's it passed on from generation to generation. So I'm curious, like what is the correlation for people that are new to this? What is the correlation between trauma and addiction? And if we could go a little bit further, the trauma, addiction, and physical health too. Yeah. So we talked on my podcast about what came first, the chicken or the egg, right? Like yeah. 
it the mental health that then causes the physical health or is it the physical health that then affects like yeah. the mental health? Like, what is it? It's interesting because a lot of people think that addiction is genetic. There is no addiction gene. We all have a subset of epigenetics. And I do believe that the trigger is trauma. Now, it's hard to talk about this in um, today's world because, I mean, I think there's a big portion of the population that would say, I didn't experience trauma growing up, which I would counter with, and this is often seen as very controversial, but it's true, were you spanked as a child? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's pretty traumatic. Even though you might want to justify that it wasn't, it was. Yeah. Dr. Gabor Mate has an amazing talk on that. And then we also have to look at societal trauma. I look at the millennial generation and I feel like everyone likes to pick on millennials. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just do a case study of this. So we are a population of children that were born into, for a lot of us, some pretty dysfunctional parents, parents who had no coping skills, parents who didn't know how to handle stress very well. And most of us had either critical parents, right? Shaming, blaming, name calling, guilt tripping, all of that chaos, or super parents, the parents who wanted to like swoop in, save the day. You never learned a lesson. They all made it go away, swept it under the rug. You never, you know, got in yeah. trouble. Your, yeah. your mom was like the friend mom. <laughs> and we grew up in a time where there was an endless war that started a huge, the, one of the biggest terrorist attacks that we've ever had, economic recession that really furthered the divide and increased the poverty level a lot amongst a number of other things. And I think that a lot of us, when we think about tr trauma, often just think about our personal experience and not the collective energy on this planet and mm. like what is transpiring here. And it's like, yeah, not to mention like the increase of social media, of chemicals in our food, of all of these things, right? So we're impacted on so many levels. And then there's different types of trauma. There's big T traumas and there's little T traumas. One big T trauma, like in my case, being raped as, at four, right? That's a huge trauma right. that happened. If you had... 15 little T traumas, that's the same thing as having one big T trauma. Mm -hmm. You know, if you grew up in a household where you were constantly shamed and belittled, where, you know, your parents ignored you and were told that you should be seen and not heard, mm. where there was a lot of bullying at your school, maybe you were in one of those low income families where like right now, one in four children are hungry in the US. Maybe you experienced a lot of those traumas. And then what happens along the way is there's no coping skills, there's no support, and we eventually get offered drugs. I don't really know any kid in the United States who is not around drugs or alcohol by the time that they're 10 or 11 years old. Yeah. So what happens is we try said substance. In my case, it was alcohol and marijuana. And we go, oh, this feels really good. How do I get more of this? Because what's happening in, is all of a sudden in our brains, that pleasure reward system kicks in and we go, oh, this feels really good. How do I do more? Mm -hmm. And so it's, I do believe that it's the trauma. I believe that it's the societal collective trauma and it's individual traumas at home. Mm -hmm. And then what happens is we see this uptick where Addiction overdose rates go up and up and up and up to where we're projected to see probably close to 90 or 100,000 for the year 2020. We won't know for another year or so, right? So mm -hmm. a, a couple of years ago, that was 60,000. So it just keeps wow. going up and up and up and up. And then what happens is we start, we end up like me, right? With hormone issues, chronically inflamed, <laughs> poor methylation and detox pathways. And we go, oh my God, why am I so sick? Right. Why am I so sick? And, you know, I mentioned this on my podcast too. It's really hard because insurance only lets us do so much. So I can help people. I can provide holistic treatment for the most part, right? Where we feed people good food and we 
do a lot of trauma therapy and equine therapy and time in nature, getting those vitamin D levels up, all of those things. Right. Mm -hmm. But like, I can't take my patients. I can't hire a functional medicine doctor to come in. You know, the best I can do is like an integrative medicine doctor and ours is pretty holistic, but it's hard. There's a lot of red tape where it's like, I know that people need this and Mm -hmm. that their success would go up because what happens with a person who just got six months sober and is now out of treatment, who has very little coping skills because it takes years to rewire and heal the brain Mm -hmm. goes out and then they're feeling like shit every day. Right. And their brain is hijacked by inflammation and stress, anxiety, and depression, which antidepressants aren't working because that's not really the problem. The problem is chronic inflammation and autoimmune. And then they go and use drugs again. Right. Wow. So true. I mean, we see this cycle all too often and it's, it's sad, but I think that, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you're hopeful. I'm hopeful in our pockets, but then you look, it's like, cause we're helping people, but then you look at the world that's not getting access to this stuff and your heart breaks. I mean, mm-hmm. what do you think has to happen for the system to change? Cause I feel like it's so subsidized and like ingrained in the culture to do it that way, the shame-based way, the behavior modification way, the, the medication way, then not actually getting to the root cause of what, that's a big question, but what has to happen for there to be a systematic uh, shift in how we're addressing these things? Part of me feels really pessimistic about it. And then part of me feels a little bit hopeful. Yeah. I hear you. I feel the same way. It's like, well, it could go either way. It could go either way. Uh, We could have, you know, the doubling down, right? Um, I think about this last election and the 74 million people who voted for one person and the 82-ish million who Mm -hmm. voted for another who definitely wouldn't have been my choice of a candidate, but that's okay. So here we are. So Mm -hmm. let's just look at this as a societal problem. We have been bought and sold the lie that operating in a capitalistic puritanical society is the best way. What do I mean by puritanical society? I mean, religious based beliefs on Mm -hmm. purity. So addict, bad, (laughs) you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Who just drinks wine every single night with her husband. (laughs) Good. (laughs) You You know what I mean? So like people belong in jail, but these people don't, you know what I mean? It's like the doctor who like kills someone because they were hooked on fentanyl. And I deal with this guys in my treatment center. Anesthesiologists love drugs. They're all, a lot of them are using drugs. Nurses too. Okay. So it's like, well, that person's good because they have an education. They're probably white. They've saved so many lives. And we make these cases and it's just like, this isn't sustainable. The way Really what it is, is it's the the way that we've been operating as a society is no longer sustainable. And I think if coronavirus has illuminated anything, it's that this is not sustainable. The 40-hour work week is not sustainable. Both parents working, not really sustainable. The healthcare system as it is, not sustainable. Mass incarceration, not sustainable. The drugs remaining illegal, not sustainable, which is interesting because you're like, you're in recovery. You want all drugs to be legal? Yes, I do. I want all drugs to be legal Mm -hmm. because I, I know here's a perfect reason why I know. And we now know, thanks to John Hopkins university, the huge benefits to using plant medicine, such as psilocybin on the brain of traumatized people. Right. And on the brain of addicts, we know that not only does psilocybin connect you to that higher power that I connected to or higher source or higher being that makes you want to make change in your life, but it also literally rewires the neural pathways in your brain. I can't open a treatment center, even though we know that it would benefit so many people. I can't open a treatment center and operate right now because of all of the red tape. Right. So what it's going to take is an entire generation and movement of people who are saying enough. I look at what's happening right now in India. They are having one of the biggest protests in history. It's getting no news coverage because who in the U.S. would want to cover that? It might influence people to do the same thing over here. But all the farm workers went enough. 
We're sick of being hungry. We're sick of being homeless. We're sick of working like this. We're sick of the trauma that it's inflicting in our families and in our lives. And we're not doing it anymore. And so millions of people gathered together and they fed each other and they cared for each other and they went on a strike. I think they're still striking. It's been months, but it's creating change. But nobody wants to be uncomfortable because we're so programmed that discomfort is bad. But the truth is that sitting in our discomfort is actually what frees us from all that makes us uncomfortable. That was eloquently and beautifully said. So important. I think people should go back and re-listen to what she just said, because that is profoundly important. So let's talk about the people that are listening right now that are like, well, I'm not an addict. I don't do, I've never done drugs before. It's not part of my life. But how does... In your experience, how does childhood trauma impact how we function as adults, whether we're addicts or not? So this is actually more of the work that I do um, now personally. Obviously, I've got the treatment center and that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but I developed this thing called a life reset course. And it was it's basically like an accumulation of everything that I've used to heal. Okay, so here's how it works. I'm a huge fan of manifestation, right? We know the power of thought and intention. And when I talk about manifestation, the first thing that I get is because at the end of every episode of my podcast, I say an affirmation. I get so many DMs of people saying, I said for four weeks straight, the affirmation that (laughs) I have a healthy relationship and lovable and all that stuff and nothing's coming to fruition. Why is that? It's because of our subconscious programming. So let's talk about the brain because that's like my favorite thing ever. We know that the subconscious mind is heavily influenced in those formative years, zero to seven. And it's a product of our environment, the things that we witnessed, experienced, heard, all of it. It's a collection of all of the input that we're getting, Mm -hmm. right? And so we're really formed for the most part in those first seven years. And then of course the brain continues to develop until we're 28, but the vast majority that big chunk of it is zero to seven. Mm -hmm. If you received downloads in any way that you're unlovable, that your love was conditional, did you have a parent that ever withheld love from you? So say You were throwing a massive tantrum. You felt completely out of control at five years old. You had, you were overtired. You came home from kindergarten and whatever. And then you have a chronically stressed mom who just ended her 40 hour week work on a Friday and she's got this screaming kid. What was the message you received from your mom? Was it, it's going to be okay, honey. This is really hard right now. You know, we're going to get through this. Or was it, God, I wish you would stop crying. I can't stand it when you cry like this. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that input affects us for the rest of our lives. So what I actually say to people is how many, how many people actually know who they really are? Or are Mm -hmm. you just a product of the subconscious programming of your childhood, living that out in your current reality? The vast majority of people are doing that. And so then the question is, how do I reprogram my mind? Well, you got to take a deep dive into all of those subconscious belief systems. Then you have to clear them. And you can do that with a lot of therapists. I mean, I think it's hit or miss. You've really got to find a good therapist. But doing that reprogramming allows you to get really clear on who you are and what you want for your life. And then you can build the life that you want. So a perfect example of this, I talk about transactional analysis a lot. I love, I did two years with Dr. Pat Allen and learned this. Say you had that critical parent. And as a result of having a constant critical parent, you turned into an adaptive child, right? You went quiet. You never shared your opinions you were afraid to speak up. How is that playing out in your life today? Well, are you afraid to ask for that job? Are you afraid to confront your husband about something that's making you uncomfortable? Are you afraid to stand up to somebody who is doing something that's wrong? Mm -hmm. Would you rather be seen and not heard? I think a lot of people are operating, you know, especially people we coined that term codependent, which I don't really love the term, but it's like so many people are operating out of that. 
And then what happens? You go into a state of chronic stress and your brain actually starts to become addicted to the chemicals of stress. And it becomes this vicious cycle that you can't get out of because your brain gets flooded with adrenaline Mm -hmm. and norepinephrine and all of these hormones. And it's like, okay, so I have to figure out what I want, clear this past trauma, and then I need to become addicted to good hormones, to that oxytocin, right? Like that love hormone. It's not an easy thing to do. That's for sure. It takes a lot of work. I never want to lie to people and be like, this is an overnight thing. I mean, how long do people usually work with you at your clinic? Two year, year and a half to two years. Exactly. So yeah. same here. So yeah. life reset is a year. We recommend people come to treatment with us for a year Because it does take that time and it is that commitment. But the reward is that now I get to be more present, right? Mm -hmm. I get to change those cycles. I get to, I guess what I would want people to know is that inherently you weren't designed to be chronically stressed, fatigued, anxious, you know, all of this depressed, lonely, isolated, you weren't meant to do any of those things. Inherently, you are all that is good. You are divine. You are all of the yumminess that this world has to offer. And I think that for so many of us, we forgot that, like, we forgot what feeling good most of the time feels like. Yeah. We're supposed to feel good most of the time. And then occasionally when we fall off the path of feeling good, we're easily able to quickly get back on the path because we go, oh, wait, this doesn't feel good. And I'm designed to feel good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So true. I mean, it's something that I, we talked about on your podcast, but people equate ubiquity with normalcy. Like it's there every day. So they're like, oh, it's as normal. This isn't normal. It's just common. There's a difference. This episode is brought to you by Public Goods, the one-stop shop for sustainable, high-quality, everyday essentials made from clean ingredients at an affordable price. Everything from coffee, cleaning products, toilet paper, shampoo, to pet food. Public Goods is your new everything store, thoughtfully designed for the conscious consumer. Rather than buying from a bunch of single product brands, Public Goods members can buy all of their premium essentials in one place with one beautiful, streamlined aesthetic. Public Goods searches the globe to find clean, healthy, eco-friendly, and innovative products. You all know if you've been listening to The Art of Being Well, I love Public Goods. We use the cleaning products in our functional medicine center. I use it at home as well. They have so many things beyond cleaning products as well. You have to check this out. They ethically source and obsessively developed each of their products to be free of unhealthy ingredients and harmful additives still common on drug and grocery store shelves. And they are committed to making their products super healthy and safe for humans, animals, and the environment. Knowing what's in your products and where they come from is really important. And small changes in the way we shop can make a big impact on personal health and the health of the world at large. They use a membership model to keep costs super low and pass on even more savings to their customers. Best of all, you can make your first purchase with no obligation. They plant one tree for every order placed and incorporate sustainability into every part of the company. Join hundreds of thousands of others who have switched to their new everything store. I worked out an awesome deal for my listeners. Receive $15 off your first public goods order with no minimum purchase. That's right. They are so confident that you will absolutely love their products and come back again and again that they are giving you $15 to spend on your first purchase. You have nothing to lose. Just go to publicgoods.com slash Will or use code Will Cole at checkout. That is P-U-B-L-I-C. G-O-O-D-S dot com forward slash Will Cole to receive $15 off your first order. Let's talk about that reset that you have. And they're there, they're with you for a year. Is this virtually? Is this, do they have to come in person? What does the, the whole process, what does the work look like? Yeah. So um, I developed an online course. You have access to it for to a year. Some people move a little bit faster and some people go through it slower. 
And right now I'm doing weekly coaching calls, although I'm getting so full now that I can't offer that, you know, much longer. We're mm-hmm. getting to the point where it's like so many people on the call and between the podcast and motherhood and everything else, I don't have that. So what I'm switching to is lives. So that way on Facebook live and the group, you can answer all of your questions and get that answered. So it's Great. 15 different modules and we start with looking at those subconscious belief systems. And it's really a deep dive into patterns. If you have issues with finances, with toxic relationships, with unhealthy behaviors, whatever it might be, there is a root cause for that. Let's find what that is, pull that root out, wash it off, clean it off, and then put it in some new beautiful soil and let it flourish. We're learning tools like emotional freedom technique tapping, we're doing meditations, we're doing journaling, and we're just taking a deep dive. And what's great about this is that it's really just a foundation. And you can take this work to a therapist. You can hire me for private coaching or my mom. I work with my mom now. She ended up having the most incredible transformation when I was a year sober. She through, you know, me using these tools and setting some, some lovely, loving boundaries. She really woke up to who she was and kind of had that moment that I had, right. Or her Mm -hmm. higher self was like, Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So she immediately went to therapy, eventually got into her own coaching practice and we do this together. And yeah, our goal is to help people learn how to take care of themselves, give them all of those coping tools that we need in order to thrive mm-hmm. in society and in our own lives. That's beautiful. So people want to get involved with the online program. How do they do that? You can just go to my website, um, which is recoveringfromreality.com and then hit courses and then it will take you to the course and you can see what's in there and check it out. And Great. Cool. In your treatment center, you talk about connection and not control. I love that. But tell us what that means in detail. Yeah, I think what's interesting about the way, even in therapy, is that we we think that like having this creates this result, right? Like it's very like mechanical, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think that there's anything more powerful than the power of human connection. What other species can have a dialogue like this and create literal magic out of it? Like, and what other place can I sit down with you and go, I have an idea. Let's collaborate on this and then let's build it and turn it into something. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. who else can do that? Only humans can do that, right? Like, Mm -hmm. we're out here. We literally are creating the world that we live in as a human species. And so, you know, we can use that connection for good things or obviously for not so good things. But I think, I think what people need most is relationship. We, since, you know, the beginning of our, when we switched into hunter gatherer societies, right. And tribes, that's really when we were thriving as a species. We cared about each other. We supported each other. We raised each other's children. We made sure everyone was fed. We took care of the next generation and made sure that we raised them into competent adults who would then raise the next generation and so on and so on and so on. Mm -hmm. Right now we live in this hyper individualistic society And it's causing far more pain and suffering than it is doing anything else. You know, it's been really illuminated, especially right now in this time of COVID, where you have some people who are like, let's mask up and do the right thing. And, you know, we're going to take proper precautions so that way we can protect the elderly and this is going to suck. And and then you have some people who are like, no, screw it. I'm going to (laughs) do whatever I want. Right. Like. Mm It's interesting. So we really switched and moved out of living in these communities to living alone. And the vast majority of the U.S. population identifies as lonely with one or less people in their lives that they feel like they can trust, that they have a connection with. One or less. 
not only that, but you have, uh, you know, two out of every three marriages that are ending in divorce right now. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm talking about is really not that radical and Mm -hmm. absolutely necessary. We need to go back to operating in communities where we care about each other and where we feel cared for. Talk about the anxiety response. I mean, if you got left behind from your tribe, immediately your brain would go into a complete state of fight, fight, or freeze, constant stress and and freak out, right? Like Mm -hmm. that's how it would be. It's still doing that today. It's still doing that today because our instinct isn't actually to be alone. That's not how we're supposed to operate. And so I think that, you know, I've created this online community and this community within the treatment center, and I've seen the success of it. And I hope that more people will follow and Mm -hmm. will, you know, even doctors, it's like, let's have group meetings with all the patients. And so everybody can be together and know that they're not alone and that it's going to be okay. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? An example of how I view that would be like, you have some patients that are all dealing with the same thing, right? And so wouldn't it be great if all of them could have a Zoom call together and just talk about what that's like? Because it often does feel isolated and lonely. It truly does. I mean, you're absolutely right. I deal, as you know, with a lot of people with autoimmunity and trauma and, and the impact. And it is very isolating because on the outside, they look quote unquote normal and people don't understand what it takes just to get through the day. And they're just like, buck up. Like, you're just like, you're dramatic or like, why can't you go out? Why are you canceling on us? Uh, and and it really is an isolated thing. And that's, ex- I, I'm constantly thinking of how can I reimagine the, the patient experience, this person's experience to get them connected with people. And um, we've, we're doing that. We're doing an online group class, same thing. It's important. I think we're completely on the same page. Like these people need community, whether you're going through an autoimmune issue or you're going through anxiety or you're going through your some dysfunction in your life, you need a community without a doubt. I'm curious... Your, have you heard of the Enneagram before? I don't know much about it, but I'm curious on your thoughts on that because it's about childhood trauma and how we play out in life and how we emote or like you're saying, we're not meant to be isolated, but some of the numbers on the Enneagram are isolating because of their childhood trauma. And we all respond to that early trauma differently. What are your thoughts on that? So I'm, I'm not that um, well-versed in that, although I've heard of it. Mm-hmm. I will give you something that I think is really interesting though that's similar. So a couple decades ago, the CDC and Kaiser Permanente got together and they were saying, you know, we have this really obese population and we don't understand, like they'll lose weight and then they'll gain it right back. Like, Why is that happening? And so they gathered a group of several thousand people and they started asking them some questions that, of course, those people thought were peculiar. It was a set of 10 questions. They found were associated with negative health outcomes. And it was all harmful experiences in early childhood. The higher that you scored, the more your likelihood of having not just addiction, depression, anxiety, but also heart disease, cancer, suicide, autoimmune conditions, quality of life went down, all of these things. And so you're thinking, Alexis, like, duh, like, obviously. But what's interesting is a couple of things. One, the threshold, right? So what are these 10 things? Well, they are as extreme as child sexual abuse. And they're all, they are as non-extreme as having a parent that was divorced or having a mom who had depression, right? So mm-hmm. Those things were equated as just as traumatic as a parent going to jail or an abusive parent or a child who had sexual abuse. And what's interesting is the other thing that's interesting is that it didn't take much to move that scale significantly. So what they found was even with one out of 10, your negative health outcomes went up by four out of 10, your chance of living past 55 went down, I think, close to 28%. And if you scored a five or higher, you're basically screwed. I scored a nine out of 10. Okay, I don't know how I'm alive, but I'm here. Now, 
So they found this and they were like, okay, so this is groundbreaking. Now we understand why this is happening, why people who are obese are really obese. It's because of trauma. It's not because they're lazy and fat and stupid and they don't know how to eat well and no one taught them how to eat good. It's because they're traumatized people, right? right? And so what they did later on was they developed a resiliency test. And so they went back and they countered the 10 traumatic events to 10 resilient factors. So did you have one adult in your life that you thought that you could confide in? Did you play sports? Did you all of these things? And so those actually would reduce the likelihood of the negative health outcome. Yeah. Wow. So I could talk about this with you for ever. This is like my, my love language is helping people overcome this and understanding it and getting this information out here. Cause so many people are isolated and they think they're just, like you said, lazy or crazy and they're not lazy or crazy. Like let's empower them to have agency over their health. And like you started this conversation, give them compassion and that compassion and that grace will do transformational things. I mean, shaming people didn't do anything sustainably good. Um, So I have this question that I'm curious to hear your answer on this. Um, This show is called The Art of Being Well. And throughout this whole conversation, we've woven this this art of being well and redemption and, and compassion and grace and and you, like you said, you were created for more things. So through your work, what is something that you wish you knew as a, when you were at 18, when you were a teenager in the throes of your addiction, what do you wish you knew that you know now about the art of being well? Yeah. The first thing that comes to mind is that it's not you. It's not your fault. You were raised in an environment and in a society and in a world that is operating in a way that is not sustainable. You're not a victim though. And that it's okay to sit in that victimhood for a little while, but eventually you have to take authority over your life and you have to be willing to make a change. And that when you do stop swimming against your life in turbulent waters and you let go and let the power of grace and the support of the universe and other like-minded people help carry you, mm-hmm. your life is going to change drastically and mm-hmm. all for the good, even though sometimes it doesn't feel like that. It is. <laughs> I love that. So tell everybody about your podcast and these conversations you're having at length with, with experts in, in this space. Tell, tell us about it. How, how can they tune into the podcast? Yeah. So Recovering from Reality is also on Dear Media. We're available wherever podcasts are. I also have a book also titled Recovering from Reality. It's on Amazon right now. And you can follow along with me on Instagram at It's Alexis Haynes or also at Recovering from Reality or visit our website if you want to learn more about the course. Alexis, thanks so much. If you want to learn more about all the amazing things that Alexis has going on, you can check it all out at recoveringfromreality.com and be sure to check out her podcast, Recovering From Reality. At the end of every episode, I'll be answering a question from one of you guys. Nothing is off limits. Ask me anything. And you can send your questions over to me on Instagram or Facebook. As a functional medicine practitioner, it's been fun seeing the questions that have come in on different food philosophies, wellness trends, and ways to approach overall mental, emotional, and physical health and well-being. Thanks for those. And I'm looking forward to seeing what else is on your mind. Now it's time for another Ask Me Anything. Today's question is from Anthony. Anthony asks, I'm addicted to sugar. Help. What can I do? Well, I'm sorry you're going through that, Anthony. I know that sugar cravings can really impact people's quality of life and really just make them not feel good. I know that makes people feel horrible sometimes, feeling hangriness and with insatiable cravings, blood sugar, volatility, roller coaster, and the impact that can have on your overall health and inflammation levels and your mood and energy levels. Oh my gosh, my heart goes out to you, Anthony. It definitely can be a far-reaching ripple effect on just about every facet of your health, blood sugar, 
regulation is so important. And when you feel that you're addicted to sugary foods, refined carbohydrates, whether that be sugar, added sugar in foods or carbohydrates, which breaks down into sugar, it can, these foods can be very uh, addicting for, for many people. Um, so what can you do about it? Um, first of all, I would say labs could be a good starting point for you, Anthony, or anybody else that's going through this. I would recommend maybe running a comprehensive metabolic panel, looking at your blood sugar, uh, your serum glucose, your fasting blood sugar. We want it to be under 90 in functional medicine. Your A1C, which is your three-month average of your blood sugar, we want it to be under about 5.5 in functional medicine. Uh, and looking at triglycerides, triglycerides, we want them to be under 100. That's your circulating fat. And HDL, your good cholesterol, we want it to be above 60. And then we can look at the triglyceride HDL ratio because that can be one indication of insulin resistance and all of these numbers, if they are not in the optimal ranges, they can be all signs of insulin resistance, which exists on a spectrum. There's an insulin resistance spectrum. And I talk about these facets in, in all my books, actually, but in Intuitive Fasting, my newest book, I talk about it at length in the inflammation spectrum. Obviously, I'm talking about way more things than just blood sugar regulation, but this concept that chronic inflammatory problems exist on a continuum. Uh, in Ketotarian, I talk about it as well. Because all of this, really, what is it? It's, it's metabolic inflexibility. It's metabolic rigidity or you, the body's stuck in this sugar burning mode. So this is a major facet to my work with my patients at my functional medicine telehealth center because different iterations, different manifestations of metabolic inflexibility can really impact your quality of life and impact how you feel. Uh, and blood sugar regulation is a hallmark aspect of gaining metabolic flexibility, uh, of having, having balanced blood sugar, which abates chronic cravings, uh, insatiable cravings and, and hangriness. So what are some things you can do? It starts with food. Remember, you can't supplement your way out of a poor diet. So look at food, look at nutrient density. I talk, I give food plans in all the books. And if you want to, you know, have a more tailored approach, you can check out drwillcole.com and just check the consultation page for options for me to look at labs for you. And we can run labs and, and get more specific and granular on on your case, obviously I'm not knowing that Anthony for you, but if you just want some good pointers, uh, there's loads of free content at drworldcole.com as well. But basically focus on clean protein, make sure you're getting healthy fats, making sure you're getting lots of good vegetables, having them more cooked in soups and stews. If you have digestive problems, having real good, a broad spectrum of nutrient dense foods that are suitable for your body. The aspect of bioindividuality, we're all different. What's underneath that umbrella is definitely different from person to person based on many other variables that are at play. But for the sake of a podcast and an ask me anything without knowing your health history, that's my at least pointing a direction for you. Some other tools you can consider, Anthony, is uh, intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting is a great way to start to build metabolic flexibility. The analogy that I use in intuitive fasting in the book is sort of this proverbial yoga class for your metabolism. When you're struggling with sugar addiction and feeling this insatiable craving towards different sugary or carby foods, um, you need a more flexible metabolism. So these expanding and contracting, these ebbing and flowing, vacillating eating and fasting windows and looking at the research of time-compressed feeding or time-restricted feeding, which is a subset of a type of intermittent fasting that's explored in the scientific literature, it's definitely something to lean into as well. So that paired with like when you eat, paired with what you eat, those are two very powerful modulators for building blood sugar balance and metabolic flexibility and becoming more fat adapted. So you have the ability to burn fat and sugar for fuel instead of being bound in this sort of rigid, hangry, sugar-burning, metabolically inflexible state. So that's definitely something that takes time, but it's something worth building if you're struggling with it. Uh, in addition to food and fasting, sleep, rest is definitely important for blood sugar balance. People are way more apt to be out of control to varying degrees with their food choices and cravings and feeling like they have sugar addiction when they're not getting proper sleep. So making sure the quality and the quantity of your sleep 
is optimized because that's going to very much help with craving issues. Um, some other herbs or botanicals or natural compounds to consider that I implement in different protocols with patients are things like curcumin has been shown to help balance blood sugar. A ginseng can be helpful. Fenugreek, psyllium, if like fiber can help to balance blood sugar. Cinnamon is another great tool that can be used in different blends. Bitter melon is another one that has compelling studies to show its ability to balance blood sugar. Milk thistle is another one. Chromium is another one that comes to mind and alpha lipoic acid. So those are some things to consider. I just threw out tons of weird words for you, Anthony, but uh, not that you have to take all of those things. I don't think that. Um, but those are some things to consider and look into for yourself, educate yourself on, talk with your doctor about it as well. And they typically come in blends. So we would just formulate that based off of the case if it's clinically relevant to target um, blood sugar imbalances if that is the issue. So hopefully that answered your question, Anthony. Thanks so much. Thanks again for listening to The Art of Being Well. If you have a chance, please rate and review the podcast here. And if you like what you're hearing, hit follow and pass it along to a friend. To see more, head to drwillcole.com slash podcast. I'll be back again next Thursday, and I hope you will too. Talk soon.